If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be continuing there this week. Ephesians chapter 5. How many of you remember a song called All You Need Is Love? Maybe you remember that, alright? Who, who sang that? The Beatles, alright? That's one of those songs that kind of transcends generations, uh, even though it was written a few years ago, right? You might know how long ago it was written. It was in the late 60s, alright? The 50s. There are people over here I think it was written in the 50s. But you just think, some of you think the 60s were like yesterday, right? Some of you, alright? 60s have been a few years now, alright? And so, All You Need Is Love was a song. It was written by John Lennon, and it was written for a particular purpose. The Beatles were going on international TV, and over 400 million people were going to be watching them. And as they were thinking about this special they were going to be doing in 26 countries, 400 million people, they asked the question, can we write a song that would bring everybody together and give a universal message? Uh, John Lennon was famous for slogans, right? Give peace a chance and uh, power to the people. And so he came up with this real simple slogan that said, all you need is love. And the song is not real complicated. It just kind of over and over again kind of repeats that idea. There's some complications in the musical part of it, but it became a smash hit. In fact, they weren't going to release it. They were just going to perform it for the first time on this show. And after they began to rehearse it, they thought, this is too good. And so they released it immediately after the show, and it shot to number one and stayed there for weeks. Well, we're in the... Amidst of a series called Real Marriage. And the reason I bring up that idea of all you need is love is because there's this sense out there in our culture that if you've just got love, marriage will go great. Now when it comes to marriage, all you need is love. And I'll tell you this. It's half right. All right? It's, I guess to say it's half right is not completely right because you can't say all you need is love and then say you need something else. So I guess it's not really right, but love is a part of what you need. That doesn't sound as catchy, right? Love is a part of what you need, alright? And so in Ephesians chapter 5 today, we're going to um, look at the secret to making marriage or relationships in general great. And this can transform any relationship. Any marriage relationship can be transformed by two things we're going to talk about in just a moment. Now, here's the thing. We're going to talk about that this week, and then we're going to wrap up this series next week. And I highly encourage you to be here next week and invite people to be here. Next week we're going to talk about kind of a, a really neat thing to kind of close this series out. But today we're going to talk about what is it that you need to make a marriage really work. And it comes from a single verse in Scripture. One of the things I love about Scripture is I spend hours every week reading, studying, analyzing, thinking about Scripture. And there are times when it, it, it just kind of boggles my mind all that's out there and things that you can look at and read about and dive in depth. And then there are those moments when you read a very simple statement and you realize that it captures the essence of a very real truth in just a few words. 
And this morning we're going to look at one verse that has secrets to a relationship in one single verse. It's Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 33. It's the last verse of Ephesians 5. It sums up this entire passage about husbands and wives, so we're going to look a little further back into that in just a moment. But it says this in verse 33, and I'm reading out of the Holman Christian Standard Version. To sum up, or in conclusion, or finally, each one of you, or each man, is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. I want to underline two words that are the keys to everything you need in a pivotal, great marriage relationship. It's the words love and respect. Now, here's the thing that I want to say to you today. If you're married, this is going to be very applicable. We're going to talk about males and females and how you can incorporate this into your life. If you're not married, either you uh, haven't been married before or you're looking towards that or you've been divorced, what I want today to do is to encourage you in what the Bible holds up as the standard and the thing that makes marriage really work. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at what it means for the husband to love his wife and for the wife to respect her husband. Ephesians 5.33 sums up this entire part of what he's been talking about. He's been talking about family relationships, husbands and wives, and how you do that. He's going to move on to children at the end of this. We're not going to go to there. But the idea is, let me just make sure you get it. Let me just make sure before we move on that you have the most important thing. And in a single sentence, he gives the things that can help a marriage more than books or conferences or any of those things that take hours upon hours. In one sentence, he wraps up the elements of a great relationship. Husbands, each one of you is to love his wife as himself. And wives, you are to respect your husband. Let's break that down for just a moment. And let me just kind of give a... a uh, let you understand something on the very beginning. I'm going to spend some time today talking to the guys. Okay? I spend a little more time today talking to the guys than to the women... And here's what I, uh, the reason I want to do that is because in our society, when you look at every study across the board, the place of the two genders where we seem to be falling down the most when it comes to spiritual leadership and what we ought to be doing for the Lord is that we are losing our guys. And what the Bible teaches very clearly is that men have a responsibility to our culture and especially to our families, to be men who follow and do what the Lord asks of them to do. And so we're going to look at what the passage is. In fact, this is not necessarily new. If you look at the passage above this in Ephesians chapter 5, there are several verses given to the man, and there are three verses shorter given to the wife. 
The idea is that men carry a responsibility that if we don't take care of, there is going to be some issues in our homes and our society. Now here's what we have to understand. The secret to a real marriage or to a great marriage is those two words. Love and respect. As it spells it out in verse 33, if you have those two things, other things begin to fall into place. And so we're going to talk about today what it means for a husband to love his wife and for a wife to respect her husband. If you've got your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 5, look with me a little bit further up in verse 25 because the first thing that we have to understand is that husbands must love their wives. Verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. And then it goes on to say, if you're following along in the Scripture there, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the Word. He did this to present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. The idea here is that men are to take care of, love their wives. Let me tell you one of the issues that we have in our society today. Men, for generations, in fact through most of history, have had a pretty defined way that they move from boyhood into manhood. Either a rite of passage happens or some kind of society. And generally what it kind of happens is you leave your parents, you either finish your, your training or you become a worker, you begin to work, you find a girl, you marry the girl, you start to provide for a family, you have children, and you have become a full-fledged man. The problem is today we don't have that natural rite of passage. In fact, one of the issues that we have in our society in general is something that the psychologists and psychiatrists and all those people with lots of degrees after their name call extended adolescence. Meaning that boys aren't growing into men. I saw the other day, it's an interesting statistic that the people who play video games the most these days are 30 to 40 year old men. I don't know if you knew that or not. Some of you out there are playing, so what? I enjoy that. That's good, alright? There's nothing wrong with playing video games unless it's taken away from your actual responsibilities that you ought to be doing. And so what happens is, as these guys don't grow up, they don't become men who provide. They are still consumers when they ought to be contributors. And in a marriage relationship, they're not taking the mantle of what they ought to be doing. There are some alarming statistics that are starting to show up about the current generation of men and women. I'm talking about men and women in their 20s and early 30s. People younger than me down to the age of 18. Including that around half of children born today are born into a relationship where there is not a father present. Close to half. We have lots of men who are not taking responsibility for what they should be doing. Now, it's not just people that are absent 
physically, they're absent emotional men, absent emotionally from their spouse, from their kids. They've put themselves in different things. In fact, when it says in Scripture that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, we must understand then how did Christ love the church? Well, Christ loved the church with everything He had. He literally gave Himself for the church. He protected the church. He did everything He possibly could to bring that church to a place where they were in a right relationship with God. They was, he was a man who did what God called him to do. Somebody has said that if you look at Christ, He was both tough and tender as a man. And our society has taught us we can be one or the other, but you can't be both. And so we end up with men that are bullies and intimidators. Or men who think that their toughness is shown by being successful and they go out and they do everything they can to make a business work or to make it in their line of work, but they're not doing what God has called them to do in being tender. They overuse their authority. They become success-obsessed. Or you have men that are tender and not tough. They are immature. They never really fully grow up. They live life solo because they can't open themselves up to other people. Or they become the life of the party that just makes jokes about everything but never is serious about anything. Or even, they plug into a church and they become super spiritual, spouting off all of these different cliches that don't really mean anything. All the while, the responsibilities of their lives are being left to the side. They aren't truly being the men God called them to be. When Scripture says that we are to love our wives, what He is saying to us men is that we ought to be men who do everything we can to protect and take care of our families. Here's what it means to love your wife. By the way, um, I don't have time today to go into all that it means, obviously. Most of you want to be out of here before 5 or 6 tonight, alright? So I'm going to give you some snapshots from what I think the Scripture is describing and what we can pull out of Ephesians chapter 5. Let me recommend, there are all, there are all kinds of great books out there, but if this kind of stuff, what I'm going to speak about today, really kind of kind of hit something in, you want to read this, maybe you're a couple here and you think, boy, we'd like to look a bit of it further of this. There's a book out there called Love and Respect by a guy who's a pastor and a, a, somebody with a degree that, that works with this kind of thumb. Kind of thing, and his name is Egrichs, E G G E R I C H S, alright? Love and Respect. It's a great book, gives you really good things. I would highly recommend it. What does it mean for a man, according to Ephesians chapter 5, according to what Christ has done, what does it mean for us to love our wives? Let me give you just four things. First of all, we love her, and this thing's going to be on the screen, so you just have to write it down. You love her by protecting her. Her. That means that you give her a security in her life. It means that you make where she is and, and lives a secure place. Now, you can talk about this in kind of comical terms. I mean, we, you know, I mean, you can look at me and I know that I look like a really buff, strong, <laughs> tough guy, right? But here's the thing. In our house, if there is a noise in the middle of the night... Who gets up to go check it out? I do. No, Susan doesn't. I do. No. See, that was uncalled for. Completely uncalled for. I get up, right? 
And oftentimes I'll get a baseball bat or I'll get, I don't know what I'm going to do with it if I find somebody, but (laughs) there's just this idea. It, It means physically secure. So you do what you can to provide a secure environment physically, but it also means that you do what you can to provide a secure environment for them emotionally. We're going to talk about emotional stuff a little bit more in just a minute, but they don't have to worry about who you are or where you are or where you've been. They don't have to worry about what you've been looking at or what you've been watching. There's emotional security there. It means creating a secure environment in order for them to prosper. It also means that you never intimidate your spouse physically. It means you never threaten you never even give the idea that it might happen. You never, uh, to use a phrase, bow up or act like anything's going to happen. And you definitely never take action physically against your wife. It means, loving her means providing a secure environment. It means being tough when people outside of your family attack your wife or your family. One of my favorite images of Christ, and it's not one that we talk about a ton. We talk about it here in a few weeks because we're coming up on Easter. But the image of Christ going into the temple and just throwing the tables everywhere. You know why I love that image of Christ? It's because it's contrary to what most people think of Jesus as just this meek and mild guy. He was that. But when he needed to protect his father's house, he was tough. In fact, in the Sunday school lesson that some of you study today from the book of Luke, I love the fact that he stands up to speak in the synagogue. And when he gets through speaking in the synagogue, he says, and what is fulfilled, what you have read is fulfilled in me today. And they start talking, wait a minute, this is Joe, this is not, that can't be true. This is Joseph's boy. And it says they took him out and they were going to do harm to him. And some of you studied that today. What did Jesus do? He just walked right through him and they didn't touch him. He was tough. And it means, as a husband, when someone is threatening your family or your wife, you can be tough. Love means to provide a secure environment. Secondly, love means, husbands, opening up emotionally on occasion with your wife. She's not a problem to be fixed She's not a job that needs to be taken care of. In fact, some men treat their marriage like a job description. Well, I went to work, and I came home, and I took out the trash, and I helped wash the dishes, and then I uh, made sure everybody was where they needed to be, and then I'm done for the day. That's not what being a husband is about. It means opening up emotionally, allowing her to see that you have emotional involvement. For some guys, this is tougher than others because they haven't moved to that place where being a mature person, they can understand that emotions doesn't make you weak or less of a man. Loving her means protecting her. Providing a secure environment. Loving her means opening up emotionally. Thirdly, loving her means being verbally encouraging to her. It means that you don't make slide jokes about your wife to your wife or to other people. It means that you only speak well of her and not bad of her in public. It means that you, in a, in a verbal 
discussion. You don't analyze her weak spots and then attack verbally. You know, guys by nature are pretty competitive. And part of what it means to be competitive is that when you're in a game or you're in a sport, what you do is you figure out the weakness of the opponent and then you attack, attack, attack. The truth is, sometimes in marriage it becomes easy to do that because you know the weaknesses of your spouse. But guys, loving your wife means never verbally attacking the weak spot. Loving your wife means making her feel secure. It means opening up emotionally on occasion. It means verbally encouraging her. And here's the last thing for today. It means making her a priority in your life. It means that when you're with her or you're with your family, they are the priority. They are the ones that deserve your attention. They understand that if everything else in your life comes up and they competes for time, that ultimately your family is the most important thing. Your job's not more important. Your video games, fantasy football. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, when you say it, but... Your gambling, your alcohol, your friends, your nights out... Your God time, your me time, your hunting, your fishing, your sports that you either play or watch, that none of that is more important than your family. It means that there at times need to be technological stepaways. I read something in the past week that convicted me, and this is just me being honest. It's about a, a guy who was writing about ways that he started to show his family priority. And one of the things is, he says, I found myself walking into the house on the phone or doing something with my technology almost every time I entered the house. He said, so I made a conscious decision that I would not enter the house until the phone call was over and everything was put away. I mean, some things go without saying, right? I mean, when you're at the dinner table, you shouldn't be scanning your phone. I'm talking to myself a little bit here. You shouldn't be uh, spending more time checking things on the Internet than you are spending time with your family. There's a time and place for all that, but your family has to know their priority. I mean, just in general, our society's gotten a little too addicted to this stuff, right? I saw this thing the other day that I thought was an interesting idea. It was when a, group's, when a group of friends went out to lunch, what they did is they took their cell phones and they stacked them in the middle of the table. And the first person that grabs their cell phone has to pay for everybody's lunch. <laughs> Alright? The problem is you try that in a family, you're already paying anyway. So you just, I'll go ahead and take it, alright? But you make sure they understand their priority. Let me just tell you, as a pastor, I have friends and I have known men that have been pastors who have given themselves so much to the church that they've lost their family. And one of the things that I'm committed to praying about and asking the Lord continually to say to me is, this church, as much as I love it and I 
love being a part of it and being your pastor, this church is not more important than my family. And I'm going to live my life in that way because that's what it means to love my wife and to love my kids. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I said it was the last thing. It's not really. Here's the last thing because it encompasses all of this. The ultimate way that you love her is that you are the spiritual leader of your family. When it says to love your wife as Christ loved the church, he then goes and says Christ did everything he could to be an example and to provide the way for the church to come into fellowship with God. And as a man, your responsibility is to do everything you can to be a spiritual leader for your family, to help encourage your wife into the ways of the Lord, to encourage your children into the ways of the Lord. First of all, that means being here. And I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir because you're here. But it means being here, involved in a church. It means not just being involved in a church and saying that, well, I checked my attendance off or I went to worship this week. It means being involved in the church. It means helping your family to be involved in the church. It means making sure that, not necessarily that you're leading family devotions seven nights a week, but that your family understands that God's Word is important in your life. That God's will is important in your life. That God's purpose Purpose is or your purpose, and that your family is here for the glory of God. Be the spiritual leader that God has called you to be. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Then he says, or actually before that, when he talks about wives respecting their husbands, he uses this sentence that is one of the most controversial in all of Scripture. And it gives kind of background on what it means for wives to respect their husbands. If husbands must love their wives, then wives must respect their husbands. And here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now it goes on in that, in verse 23, to say, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, this phrase is controversial in today's world as much as any phrase in all of Scripture. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. In fact, if you were to, to, to just in general talk about the things that the Bible teaches that people today just shudder at, this would be in the top two or three. Because what does it mean to submit? When I say the word submit, what do you think? Just what comes to mind? What's that? Cow down, just lay over, roll over. Here's the thing about submission. You look at the Scripture, what is meant here is that you recognize the authority that God has given. Now, we could discuss all day long about roles and gender roles and all of that from Scripture. Here's what I know Scripture teaches. And I, you, you, you can put it together however you want to put it together. Here's what He teaches. First of all, no man or woman is any better in the sight of God than anyone else. So men and women are equal in the sight of God. In case we didn't get that, it tells us in the, in the book of Galatians that at the foot of the cross that there is no male nor female. But the idea is that we are all God's children and we are all loved. 
But it also says that just as God has created structures in order to fulfill His will, it tells us in Scripture that God has in some way placed men as the spiritual leaders and the heads of the family. So what does it mean to submit or respect? Well, first of all, submission is something that can never be demanded or forced in a biblical sense. In a biblical sense, no man can ever force a girl or woman to submit. Submission in a biblical sense is something that is freely given. And just as men are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church, what did Christ do for the church? He laid down His life. He, if you want to use the word, submitted His life for the church. Just as husbands are called to lay down everything they have for their wives, wives are called to lay down all that they have for their husbands. And the word that it uses for wives to do that is the word respect. And and I won't go into the full details of everything here, but the idea is because the thing that women crave most in their life is to know that they are loved, and the thing that men crave most in their life is to know that they are respected. Current science bears that out. Scripture taught it a couple of thousand years ago. So what does it mean to respect your husband? Just give you a couple of things real quickly. First of all, to respect your husband means that you affirm his desire to work and achieve. To respect your husband means that you affirm his desire to work and to achieve. Do you realize that when you look up the causes for depression in men, the first, second, and third causes of depression in men are all when they are unable to fulfill a task that they think they ought to be able to do. One is divorce. Men see divorce not as a breakup of relationship as much as they see it as the termination of something they should have been able to make work. Secondly is when they're fired. And the third, which is kind of the same, is forced resignation or retirement. The idea is that men have this need within them to achieve. And what we need the women in our lives to be able to say to us is, Honey, I see that you're doing that. You're doing a great job there. I know that it feels like you've been pounding your head against the wall for 20 years, but I see the value in what you're doing. Women care much more about being affirmed in who they are. Men care much more about being affirmed in what they do. Affirm his desire to work and to achieve. Men also need you to affirm the need for shoulder-to-shoulder friends. Remember we talked about that last week if you were here? But there are three kinds of relationships. Generally, there's the back-to-back relationship. You've turned and you're looking in separate directions. There's the shoulder-to-shoulder where you're accomplishing a task together. And there's the face-to-face. Women have much more face-to-face relationships. Guys need shoulder-to-shoulder. So there are times that you walk alongside of him and help him to achieve a goal. Or you assist him in achieving a goal. Or you give him input. Or you say just thank you for what you're doing. They also need for you to encourage them to be the spiritual leaders in your family. In a loving, sensitive way. The idea is that you ought to continually give praise to him when He is taking spiritual leadership in your family. 
And you ought to gently encourage him when he's not. When Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, it does not mean in any way that wives are saying, you are better than me somehow. It's just that I am respecting the position that God has placed you in. And just as men are called to do what the Lord says, women are reminded of the fact that Jesus in Philippians chapter 2 submitted himself to the Father and to his will. Two words. Husbands, love your wives. Women, respect your husbands. The truth is that when those two things don't go together, and in the book, Look at Love and Respect, he does a good job of analyzing this. What happens is when men aren't respected, they act out in an unloving way. And when women aren't loved, they act out in a disrespectful way. And what happens is there's a cycle that happens. And eventually you get in a cycle of being unloving and disrespectful and it spirals out of control. Where the opposite is true as well. When men feel respected, they act in loving ways. And when women feel loved, they act in respecting ways. So let me ask you, husbands and wives, are you loving and respecting one another? Let me ask you this, if you're here and you're not married... Are you looking for a relationship where this is what it looks like? Because the truth is, if you're in a relationship and the male is not acting in a loving way towards the female and the female is not acting in a respectful way towards the male, it's not going to magically change when you say, I do. Is that the kind of relationship you're building?